All right, let's dive into the Word of God. Open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians. You teed it up for me, Pastor Ben. Colossians, what a good epistle. Man. Hey, if you weren't here last week, we just kicked off our brand new series, Unhindered, where we've been going chapter by chapter and verse by verse through Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. And as I mentioned last week, Colossae was a very diverse city, both culturally and religiously. The worship of Sybil, who was a Phrygian mother goddess, was particularly prevalent in that culture, in that region. And this is important to note because Paul would have been aware of that fact. Not only that, but the people of, of Colossae, they have witness what has become like what we see even in New York, like a melting pot where there's religious uh, syncretism, which was prevalent, uh, meaning that the people were starting to take parts of religious beliefs, philosophical ideas, and Greek deities, and then blend them all together to which was essentially its own religion. And I mention that because really not much has changed in 2,000 years, Right? Because what we have today here in our country is that very thing. I'm talking about grabbing a little bit of spirituality, mixing it with self-help ideologies, tossing in a dash of social media feeds, and what they've done is create their own sort of customized religion. I mean, we don't have Sybil like the Colossians. We have Oprah. I know some of y'all are like, no, not Oprah, not Oprah. I love Oprah. She's great. She does so much good for everyone. Well, you know what? That's fine if you want to like Oprah. She's likable. But watch this. You better not subscribe to her theology. And I'm not just picking on Oprah. There's a lot of influential figures today that embody the blending of spirituality and self-help. And their aim is to promote a worldview which melds these various perspectives into a seemingly harmonious whole. And, but this is where I, as a pastor and a minister of the gospel, I'm compelled to teach you these things and to talk about these things so that we can discern between an appealing personality and theological truth. You see, just like the church at Colossae, we're faced with the challenge of discerning what is genuine from what is counterfeit, what is eternal versus what is temporary. And we'll see later on in chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul's admonishment to the Colossians to see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And that same truth statement holds immense significance for us today. And so that means that we've got to guard our hearts, we've got to guard our minds against empty ideologies that promise fulfillment, but they ultimately fall short. And here's where Paul's message shines even brighter, because in a world where people are seeking meaning in a multitude of ways, Paul presents Christ as the unifying, all-sufficient answer. He declares, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
which of course affirms the completeness and the supremacy of Christ's deity. In other words, just as the Colossians grappled with these various religious elements, we too find ourselves navigating a landscape that is cluttered with spiritual and philosophical choices. The human tendency to synthesize different beliefs into a personalized faith hasn't changed. However, Paul's resounding proclamation of Christ's fullness urges us to pause and to consider the uniqueness of Christ. Because Christ isn't just merely one option among many, but rather he encompasses the entirety of Godhood. Now watch this. If that is too much theological language for you, let me just break it down in layman's terms. Christ isn't a spiritual buffet where we can just pick what we like. He's not just another menu on the item of life. He is the very source of life itself. You see, church, we have a foundation that transcends trends, fads, and human constructs. Christ is the answer to the deepest longings of our hearts. He is the one in whom we find fulfillment whenever the shifting tides of culture threaten to undermine our faith. And really what I just shared with you right there, this is at the heart of what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. Now last week I read you the first eight verses. I don't think we made it past verse 3, so let me just read what I read last week again. We'll see how far we get today. Um, So I'm going to read it again. You should understand this first one that we spent a good portion of our time in last week, and that is grace to you and peace from God our Father. If you didn't catch last week's message, I encourage you to go and to hear it again. We give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bond servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So Paul, he gives a a greeting to the church. He gives thanks to God. He lets them know that he's continually praying for them. And then he mentions how that he is thankful for the report that he heard concerning them, that their faith is strong and that they have Great love for the church, God's people. Now, whenever I was praying through this particular portion of Scripture right here, I had thought about breaking it into two parts. I was going to talk about having a strong faith and what we needed to do in order to have a strong faith. Then I was going to talk about what it meant to love one another as the church. But then it hit me. Those two things... They're not to be separated. Our faith in God and our love for one another are as inseparable as a wave is from the ocean. Think about it. Because it's the ocean that gives rise to the waves, 
which are a, dy a dynamic expression of its power. You see, a strong faith in Christ naturally produces love for believers, while genuine love within the church is a sign of a vibrant and genuine faith. And I mention this because I've seen a lot of those who say that they are Christian, but yet their love towards others is waning. And that's a problem. Because the Apostle John would go on to later write, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, who he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. See, think about it. The depth of our faith influences how we treat others. And the authenticity of our love reveals the authenticity of our faith. This is the essence of Christian community church. It's a shared faith that binds us together in a mutual love for Christ and for one another. And it's the exact thing that Jesus referenced whenever someone once came to him and asked him the question, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You see, those two commandments are intricately linked. Our love for God and our love for one another are like the twin pillars upon which our Christian walk is built. They are not options in our journey of faith. They are at the very essence of our identity as followers of Christ. And so Paul's warm greeting to the Colossians church and his expression of gratitude for their faith and their love, it sets the tone for his whole letter, his whole message, that our faith in God should never be divorced from our love from our fellow believers. Our faith should fuel our love, and our love should confirm the authenticity of our faith. Watch this. Whenever the world begins to witness us as a community of believers who are united in faith, bound together by love, it becomes a powerful testament to the transformative power of the gospel. Now let's look at the next verse. Verse 5 says, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, of which you have heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So what's Paul saying here? He's letting us know that there is a hope, that there is a confident expectation that is reserved for us in heaven. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a maybe or a perhaps. It's a rock-solid promise that is rooted in the truth of the gospel. It's the hope that comes from knowing that this life is not all that there is. That the struggles and the challenges of this world, there's an eternal reward awaiting us. Come on, how many of you are thankful for the hope of heaven? Listen, watch this. Heaven is not something that we came up with on our own. It's not a Self-help mantra or mantra or a fleeting a feeling. No, it's a promise. 
And that promise is anchored in the unchanging character of God and the finished work of Christ. Can someone say amen? And as we hold on to this hope, it assures us that our struggles, your struggles, they're temporary. But the glory that is to be revealed to us is everlasting. Amen. Amen. Paul goes on to say in verse 6, as part of that very sentence, right after he lets us know about this hope of heaven, he says, which has come to you. Now catch this now. Because in other words, this isn't just a future concept or something that's far off. It's a present reality which impacts our current lives. And it changes the way that we live, the way that we love, and the way that we relate to one another. Paul says, just as in all the world, also it is bearing fruit and increasing, even it is as it has been doing in you since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And this truth, when we grab hold of it, it transforms our perspectives. It gives us an eternal lens through which we're to view the temporary. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean, we're to see things not as though they are, but as they should be. We're to call things not as though they are, but as they should be. As ambassadors for Christ, we're to bring heaven and earth together. Come on, that's what it means to be a saint of God in the kingdom of God. And Paul is telling the Colossian church, hey guys, there's an eternal award that's awaiting. But then he lets them know that the promises of God, they're not just something for the future. He lets them know that there's power for today. That there's hope for today. Sure, one day we're going to experience eternity in heaven and thank God for that. Amen? But God wants us to experience his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, God's divine power has given us everything we need for, does it say for eternity? No. But for this life, for this current life, God's divine power has given us, underline that word, everything. You're lacking nothing, friends. If you feel like you haven't got it, lay hold of it. It's yours. It's your inheritance. We're going to talk about the inheritance of the saints next week. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. You see, that's a promise that you can cash in right now. Oh, if I could only to get you to see how God wants to give you life, and he wants to give it to you in abundance. That's why the scripture says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Not in our job, not in my paycheck, not in with the people I, I, I know. No, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Look, hope isn't a passive word. Hope isn't us just sitting around wishing that things would get better. Hope is active. It's a force that propels us to pursue God's purposes. And it's about trusting that God's promises are true, even in the midst of challenges. 
It's about walking in the confidence that the gospel has the power to change us from the inside out. And, because this is a big and, this hope isn't meant to be kept just to ourselves. So you need to catch this, you need to hold on to this, but then you need to also give it away. By the way, oh, this is from the Lord. The more you give it away, the more he's going to give it back to you. The more you exercise your faith, the more those spiritual muscles are going to grow. I know I should have had Daniel up here doing that. (laughs) The more you exercise your faith, the more you give away your faith, the more you serve, the more you give. He said, give and it will be given unto you. Right? What a good measure will be poured back towards us. We talk about not being able to outgive God, and it's true. It's true in every area. It seems like oftentimes we talk about that with finances, but it's true in every area. You know what? Psychologists have grabbed hold of this. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes I feel like in some ways they grab a hold of truth before we do, and it's like, that's crazy because we have the truth. So psychologists will tell someone, if you're depressed, go and cheer someone up. That, that right there is a prescription for someone who's depressed. Go cheer someone else up. But I don't feel like because someone needs to cheer me up. Well, go cheer them up and watch how it gets poured back into you. It's a principle. It's the, it's the, the, the law of sowing and reaping. Remember, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he will also reap it. Seems like oftentimes whenever we read that, we always talk about like, oh, if I do something bad, I'm going to reap something bad. Well, yeah, that's true. But why are we focusing on the negative? What about the positive? God is not mocked. You sow something in the spirit that is positive, that is good, that is wholesome, that is true, then he's going to see to it that you reap that. Are you with me, church? Hope is not passive. That's why Paul says in verse 6 when he tells us that the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing, not only in us, but also in in the world around us. You see, as we live out this hope and we embody the truth of Christ's love and sacrifice, we become a living testimony to the transformative power of God. Like in a world of of hopelessness and uncertainty, we have a hope that stands firm and unshakable. And that hope, it isn't meant to be a secret to keep to ourselves. No, it's a light that's supposed to shine bright, causing others to be drawn closer to the truth of Jesus. So let me just challenge you today. Are you living in the power of the gospel? Knowing that it's not just about eternity, but about the abundant life that Christ promised here and now. Are you allowing the hope that's within you to ignite a fire in your heart which impacts the lives of those around you. Friends, when we grab hold of this hope and walk in the truth of the gospel, we become agents of change in a world that desperately needs it. Our faith in God and our love for one another, rooted in the hope of heaven, can transform lives, heal brokenness, and bring a taste of heaven to earth. Listen, church, I'm not talking about a concept here. The gospel is a living, breathing reality that empowers us to live unshackled, unhindered, 
How about that? Slide that series title in. And transformed lives. It's a call to embrace a reality where our actions and our choices and our engagements are influenced by the unshakable hope that we hold. Now, in verse 7 of Colossians chapter 1, Paul introduces us to this guy named Epaphras, the faithful servant and fellow bondservant in Christ. And Epaphras, who undoubtedly had a significant impact on the Colossian church, he serves as an example of how people who are dedicated to the gospel can profoundly affect the lives of others. His commitment to the, the gospel message, uh, coupled with his love for the church, it showcases the, the powerful harmony and alignment between the faith and the love that we've been discussing here. Epaphras' story reminds us that our faith and our love are not merely personal matters, but they are intended to be shared and lived out in community. And this won't be, of course, the last time that we read about Epaphras, because we're going to see him again later on in this series in, in chapter 4, where he once again models for us what it means to live in community. But I want to bring us to verse 8, where Paul said, And he also, speaking of Epaphras, he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Now, I mentioned this last week, how that every single word that Paul wrote, you know that it had great intentionality because of what it would have cost for the papyrus and for the ink. I shared with you guys last week that it probably cost somewhere around $1,500 in today's money in order to be able to, to have written that letter to the church at Colossae. And so, again, we know that he made every word count. And so I want you to consider this as we take a deeper look at this particular verse because every word of God was inspired by, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Every single word. And so I want us to look at this one more time. I want us to look at where it says, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So here's what I want you to consider. I want you to consider the ripple effect of love. When Epaphras reported to Paul about the things that were happening in the Colossian church, he didn't just talk about their love, but he also emphasized this. Ready? He said that it was in the spirit. Now watch this, because this distinction right here is crucial. Because it tells us that their love wasn't confined to the superficial human realm. Instead, it was empowered by the Holy Ghost. Love in the spirit is not a mere emotion or fleeting sentiment. It's a force. It's a catalyst for change and transformation. You see, it's this love which propels us to do things that ordinarily we would never do. Like forgiving someone when they've deeply wounded you. Like giving of your resources when you could have easily consumed them upon your own desires. Or like extending grace to someone whenever they didn't do anything to deserve it. Listen, our world uses the word love casually. But watch this. This is not what we're talking about right here. I mean, it seems like love has been reduced down to sayings like, love is what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Am I the only person who thinks that that commercial is absurd? And so, okay, I know my wife's raising her hand right there. Um, I mean, if you're talking about a little red Corvette, 
that might make a little more sense, but a Subaru, I'm not feeling the love. <laughs> or how about this? This is a t-shirt that I just saw the other day. It said this. It says, love is love, which is really interesting because the person who was wearing it was saying some pretty hateful things. But this definition that the world promotes of love, which is this idea that all forms of love are equal and valid, is simply inconsistent with how the Bible defines love. Are you catching this? Make sure you grab hold of this truth, church, because the Bible defines love in a very clear and specific manner. And I don't care how emotional someone gets and how much, you know, they may be your first cousin or your brother or your parent or whatever. God is the one who gets to define what love is, not the world. The world's trying to define a lot of things. Are y'all catching this? The world is trying to redefine a lot of things. And I hope you have eyes to see and ears to hear what's happening all around us every day. Let me just give you a little bit of an example of what the Bible says. Like what God says, not what the world says. I don't care what the world says. The world is operating by the little G, God of this world, and he's a liar. And so, of course, he's going to tell the exact opposite of what God said, and he's going to package it. In such a way, he's not going to package it in such a way to where you're going to be coming out with horns and everything else. He's going to try to make it sweet. He's going to do the same thing that he did to Eve. Look at that apple. Isn't that a nice, shiny apple? Wouldn't you like to take a bite of that apple? Did God really say that? I mean, wasn't that translated by King James? And, and do we, how do we really know? The devil's a liar. You think God isn't going to see to it that his word's taken care of? Oh, he's going to sell seeds of lies. And we got to reject it, church. The only way you're going to be able to reject it is if you know truth. Because if you are constantly feeding yourself with the social media junk feeds of this world and what they're telling you, it's going to creep in. Leaven's going to come into the church. And it's already happened in the church. Because I see it. Because we have a denomination now. And John Wesley would flip over in his grave if he knew what the Methodist church was doing today. I feel the anointing of God to teach this right now. Someone ain't going to like it, but it's the truth. You want to know what love is? Love is patient. Single people who are dating someone, person says they love you. If they're not patient with you, that's the very first descriptor right there. You might want to reevaluate that relationship. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. <laughs> Underline this one, and he who has ears, let him hear. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Well, in order for us to make sure that we're not delighting in evil, then we need to know what evil is. And so we need to be reading what the Word of God says that evil is. And just because something is made a law does not mean that it is good. Two people can live together, and they're legally allowed to do it, but that does not mean that it's okay with God. It's not okay with God. Are you with me? Love does not delight in evil. Don't say you love when you're involved in evil. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And watch this. This kind of love, this love never fails. You see, love isn't just an all-encompassing sentiment. It's a virtue that reflects the nature and the character of God. And it's grounded in selflessness, empathy, and a commitment to do what is right. Even whenever the rest of the world says, oh, no, this is okay. This is a good thing. We're going to celebrate this thing. God said, you're not to. It goes beyond personal desires. And it extends to caring for others and their needs. But church, I'm teaching you this because watch this. Joe Rogan's not going to be talking about this in his podcast. Neither is Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. As a matter of fact, I assure you, they're going to be bringing people onto their shows that's going to tell you the opposite of what God has to say. And so you've got to be aware because I know that some of you guys, you know, you probably listen to them, and I'm not condemning if you do, uh, nor am I saying that you've got to go cut out the Tonight Show, okay? I'm just saying that you need to be discerning. And you need to filter everything through the lens of God's word, testing it against the truth of what the Bible presents. Don't just blindly accept everything that's presented, but exercise discernment and only accept what aligns with God's principles and then reject what doesn't. I guess what I'm saying is that we've got to be vigilant and holding fast to the biblical definition of love. God is love, and only he gets to define it. Amen? Okay, all right, that's where we're going to end for today. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about being filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Pastor Ben mentioned it earlier. We're going to talk about walking worthy of the call to which God has placed on our lives. And then perhaps maybe my favorite uh, for next week, uh, we're going to be talking about what it means to share in the inheritance of the saints. You would not believe how many Christians are walking around not realizing all that God has for them. Oh, they'll say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name as we should. But keep reading because it says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And forget not his benefits. How many of you know that the Lord has a wonderful benefit package, not just for heaven, but for here, church? Thank God for heaven. I rejoice for heaven. But man, I'm talking about church equipping you guys for the things that God has here for us. And by the way, if what I'm saying doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. Don't worry because it's my job to teach you God's word in such a way that it's applicable. In your job, and in your family, and in your marriage, and your parenting. Because watch this, God's word is applicable in every area of our life. You see, this unhindered series is all about us being equipped. And watch this, we need to be well equipped. Far too many Christians are going about day after day under-equipped, and we need to change that trend. Amen? Well, by God's grace, we're going to do such. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stand to your feet with me, if you would. I know that we talked about a lot of things. We talked about love being rooted in truth. 
We talked about the transformative power of the gospel and having biblical discernment. We also talked about how faith and love are to go hand in hand. But there are two more things that we talked about that I just want to highlight right now. And that is Christ as the answer and the hope of heaven. And I just want to end with this question. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you looked to him and only him as the answer? Because if you haven't, you can look to him today. You can look to him now. You can look to him to do what no other person can do for you, and that is to give you the hope of heaven and the promise of eternal life that comes only from him. And so if you want that promise, the promise of heaven, yes, we're talking future tense, but the promise of heaven here and now in your life. I just want to ask who's here, and you say, I do. I want that. Friend, there comes a point in all of our lives where we have to make the decision. God's word says it this way, choose you this day who you're going to serve. And here's what I found to be true. A lot of times we think there's this neutral zone with God, right? As in, yeah, not real sure right now. But watch this, an indecision is still a decision. Are you following me? Like every time you say, I'll just put it off. No, you're making a decision. It's just a decision's no, if I can just put it bluntly. But can I promise you something? God and the kingdom of God, what he has in store for us is far greater than anything that you will ever experience in this world. Do not believe the lie that the world has something better to offer you. I assure you, it doesn't. If it did, we wouldn't have met in church. We would have met out in a bar or something. Are you with me? But I promise you, all that the world has to offer is a counterfeit. Quit accepting the counterfeit and receive the real thing. Receive Jesus. If that's you and you say, I want to receive Jesus right now. I'm ready to put my faith in him and to not put my faith in the things of this world. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray right now. We're going to pray a prayer of surrender together that says to God, God, I need you. And I look to you. Nothing else. Don't look to myself. Don't look to, to, to the things of this world. Don't look to my job. God, I look to you. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray with me. Saints of God, many of you have prayed this prayer. But we're going to all right now pray that prayer of surrender out loud. Those of you that are watching on video. You can join in with us, and we're going to confess our need for a Savior right now. Pray this out loud, if you would, from the bottom of your heart. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. And I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave, just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God for our salvation, church? Come on.